Good evening, everybody. Thank you for coming out tonight, and uh, welcome to those joining via live stream. Uh, tonight is our final night of the Lenten Speakers series. As I mentioned before, this is the fifth year in a row that St. Joseph Evangelization Network has arranged for speakers for us uh, throughout Lent. So thank you very much to Lou Cortese and her team doing a great job for us. Uh, please uh, be generous with a free will offering to the back, and please look them up on the internet. They have a lot of great material and do great work throughout the year, not just during Lent. Uh, tonight we have our grand finale. Our own Sister Ann Kelly will be speaking to us. Sister Ann is a member of the Sister of St. Joseph of Carondelet. She has served as an educator, therapist, and a consultant, along with providing leadership and doing administration for her community. Currently, she serves as a consultant in church-related ministries. Sister Ann recently celebrated her 50th jubilee as a Sister of St. Joseph of Carondelet. Please join me in welcoming Sister Ann to the Ambulance. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate the warm welcome. And it's a real joy to be with you tonight. It's a little intimidating when you're with your own, right? Um, once when I started my ministry of consulting, I really wasn't sure what I was doing and sat with a gentleman on the plane. And when I said I was a consultant, he said, oh, that's very easy. If you're 50 miles from home, you're an expert. If you're at home, <laughs> it's another story. Anyway, what I'd like to uh, put in the context tonight and uh, talk about St. Joseph as a pilgrim, as one who was called to listen and respond. And I would like to um, just refer to Pope Francis's encyclical, Patris Corde, where he talks about at the end that he hopes that this year will be one that will increase our love for St. Joseph, encourage and implore his intercession, and imitate his virtues and zeal. And as an educator and you as parents, I'm sure all of the energy and time you have put into rearing a family, taking care of children, that you know when you work with anyone that you are both influencing them, whether you're in education, whether you are um, in a baseball game, you're helping them to see how to play fair, how to learn, how to just embrace life. So I think a part of what, looking at St. Joseph, I think we have a marvelous example of someone that we can use as a model. And I'll talk a little bit about that later in terms of how I'm going to kind of structure this. But as a pilgrim, and most of us have been on some kind of a pilgrimage in our life, and we can have wonderful memories. The pilgrimages of today are much easier than they were in the time of Joseph. But to think of him as a pilgrim who opened himself from the invitation of God to be totally dependent, to be open to whatever was brought into his experience. 
So prayer and witness are two parts of a pilgrimage, that you come closer to the reality of God and you also are deeply touched and moved to be in a transformative state if you respond to that invitation. And I'd like to suggest that Joseph, like Abraham before him, and as we read in the scripture to the Hebrews, the letter to the Hebrews in scripture, that he lived like a pilgrim in the promised land. Joseph was obedient, and we know from the Latin that word means to listen, to lend one's ear. So Joseph submitted himself freely to the word of God. He was obedient, discovering what God had to say, following the movement of the Spirit in his heart, and working on what was happening with his own life and bringing that to another level of fruition. And I'd like to uh, just suggest that I think Joseph was extremely attentive to both what he heard from God, what he heard from Mary, from, he he's, was um, truly a student of the Torah, of the law. He had given himself to be dedicated in a very serious, disciplined way to learning the tradition, the Jewish tradition. So I think his listening was at attentiveness level, a level of understanding, a level of response, and I think he took that to a level of being committed to the response that he came to. And from that response, he was then able to hear in a way, a challenge or a call to go beyond himself. I'd also like to suggest that St. Joseph was an ordinary man. And we're going to hear a little later a beautiful reflective song posing such questions as, show me where I fit into this plan of yours, God. A simple carpenter, how can I raise a king? Lord, I know he's not my own. How can I be father to the son of God? How can I raise a king? So I want you to think along with me, I, you, we, as ordinary persons, how can we really learn and somehow identify with St. Joseph and let that bring us to another place in our own development? St. Joseph was a just or righteous man he was, that was the only word in scripture that describes him, a just, a righteous man, which is a tremendous compliment, insight into his interiority. In fact, in the line of the Davidic kingdom, it 
from all the reading I have done that Joseph was the first one who was seen to be a potential for this great choice that God brought, for him to enter into this momentous moment between the Old and the New Testament. And then thirdly, I'd like to suggest that Joseph was a man grasped by religious love. And I'm quoting Bernard Lonegren, who was a theologian. He was from Canada, a Jesuit, who had lived through the Second World War um, and was one of the greatest, brilliant, they say, theologians of the 20th century. And Lonergan realized, given what was going on in the world, and the reason I thought, well, this really, it, in my mind, it made sense. He said, there was so much chaos going on in the world that we need to have a way to talk to one another where we do not annihilate one another. And I thought, coming out of the Second World War and everything as we know what that meant, so we'll talk a little bit about what it means to be a person, a man, grasped by religious love. So in the big picture, what we're dealing with is the wedding of the human with the divine. And I think St. Joseph was at that point um, ready to see that what he was called to, although he did not fully understand it, that it was a moment that came out of his prayer, his reflection, and again, we do not have anything other than he was a just and righteous man, but he was one who was willing to disappear, I believe, in the mission God gives to them. And for some saints, that's a great deal of attention. For others, it involves a much lower profile and a death to self. And I, you've heard the term, the hidden life of St. Joseph. So St. Joseph really did, um, he, the circumstances accepted by him show that it is precisely in the experience that is apparently ordinary that God is accomplishing extraordinary things. Therefore, it is all of us who might find ourselves immersed in the mission to be the unnoticed saints of ordinary circumstances. So we would know that the silence of St. Joseph speaks louder than any words. It is both his faith and sanctity that are revealed surrounding Christ's conception and birth. And I think Joseph had a great skill. He was able to love what he did not fully understand. He was able to stay with it and love it and let that 
grow and deepen in his heart. It required a great deal of humility, an admission of dependency, and a belief that his depend this dependency would be attended to by justice, by the one who doesn't ask for our consent and our faithfulness to it. And it also says that God's idea of justice is better than our own. Each day, one could want to wake up and renew the consent that one has given to God and then really believe and really believe without trying to take it back into one's own hands and manage on one's own again and again that it will be enough. So I think that St. Joseph is an example for us of that deep humility, openness, and not second-guessing. In France, Pope Francis's Patris Corde with a Father's Heart, he talks about St. Joseph as a beloved father, a tender and loving father, an obedient father, an accepting father. A father who is creatively courageous, a working father, a father in the shadows. And as we know, this year marks the 150th anniversary of Blessed Pius IX's declaration of St. Joseph as patron of the Universal Church. Again, St. Pope Francis reiterates that St. Joseph was an example of an ordinary person, far from the limelight, exercising patience and living in hope each day. I think of all the workers and family and your own situation, whatever that may be, you see the same thing. And you yourselves are probably, as all of us are, involved in day-to-day, -day, very simple and yet very important, responsible task. So to really get in touch with that deeper reality of being the ordinary man. He, St. Joseph, expressed his fatherhood by making of himself an offering in love a love placed at the service of the Messiah who was growing to maturity in his home, writes Pope Francis, quoting his predecessor, St. Paul VI. Joseph is also an example of obedience to God with his feet. If you look back and think of the journeys and the immediate response if you remember, he had four dreams. The first dream did not have the, ad, the um, you know, caution about fear. The other three dreams did. We'll talk a little bit about that a little later. I'd like to go now to talking a little bit about the 
Lonergan's concept of being grasped by religious love. And he describes it as an otherworldly falling in love, a total and permanent self-surrender without conditions, qualifications, reservations. This is a little philosophical, but it's deeply meaningful when you think about it. He says, yet it is such a surrender as a dynamic state that becomes the principal subsequent acts. It manifests, it manifests itself as an undertow of existential consciousness, as a fated vocation to holiness. I had never heard that term. As perhaps an increasing simplicity and passivity in prayer. And here he goes on to say that this will be interpreted differently in religious traditions. Elsewhere he comments that the experience of the mystery of love and awe is not objectified remaining as a vector and undertow, a fateful call to a dreaded holiness. Then he says sinfulness, or moving away from that, is described as the privation of total loving, as a radical dimension of lovelessness. This gift of God's love, as we know, is not restricted to Christians. What distinguishes us as Christians is not God's grace, which is shared with others, but the centrality of Jesus as the mediator of that grace, in particularly the fact that Jesus' rising from the dead which Christians offer as the revelation of the destiny of human beings. And we do need one another to understand this gift. So we see Joseph as a man living a simple life, a carpenter. I was not totally aware that he was also considered a stonemason, an engineer, the father of Jesus, always faithful, attentive to the voice of God, a dreamer, and we know that the dreams at that time, according to Father Michael Patella, a theologian at St. John's University in Collegeville, Minnesota, he talks about angels and demons and that Joseph was simply deeply so immersed in his Judaic tradition that he was very deeply in touch and open to the dreams. And it was very common for people to communicate and hear the word of God through dreams. Actually, a very excellent um, person in our contemporary time today talks about that also that dreams are a way to hear God. So what I'd like to 
um, ask, and maybe we could pass out. We're going to, um, I wanted to make this practical and open in the sense of you being able to take these few reflections and apply them to your own situation. So you're going to receive, I put hopefully further thoughts on each one of these areas, namely from the encyclical of Pope Francis to go through and really look at Joseph as the foster father, Joseph as, because time doesn't allow us to look at all of these, but they're so rich. The virginal husband of Mary, a man of prayer, a faithful servant, patron of the universal church, patron of families, patron of workers, friend in suffering, and patron of a happy death. And I want to again go back to one of the things that Bernard Lonergan really leaves us as a rich part of our history is that he speaks of the need to be attentive to our experience, whatever that is, our everyday actions, life, that we then be able to not only be attentive to it, but that we be intelligent, that we ask intelligent questions, that we be reasonable in our movement toward a decision, and that we be responsible in whatever the object of that inquiry may be. So his whole, it's a very, um, what, challenging and wonderful paradigm to review. Now that is not in what you're receiving, but Bernard Lonegren probably has done more for the educative process because many schools, and especially Catholic schools, can talk about being grasped by God's love. What does it mean to truly enter into this great mystery of the incarnation, God becoming one with us? And Lonergan goes on to say, if you give your life to that deep listening to the Lord, being attentive, being faithful, asking intelligent questions, looking at all the options, making decisions that are based on the real tradition, the real elements within one's tradition, and then being responsible whatever direction movement you take, that one will find themselves in a consistent state 
of being in love. So the fifth level, being in love with God, with others, with creation. Does that make sense? And I think in our world today, as I just read yesterday's paper, one little article in the Post-Dispatch that talked about the Gallup poll that was done in 2020, and it said that it's under 50%. It was shocking to me of the people in the, in the United States who have a religious affiliation. I did not realize it had dropped that much from 73%. I see some of you shaking your heads, so you read that or know that. And then it went on to say that the first poll was taken in 1937. So you can see the span of years. But I think we are challenged right now at a time in our history to have such a role model as Joseph. Um, if we want to just look at the first page there, there's a wonderful quote by, um, from the apostolic letter. The greatness of St. Joseph is that he was the spouse of Mary and the father of Jesus. In this way, he placed himself in the words of St. John Chrysostom at the service of the plan of salvation. And then the novena prayer from the With a Father's Heart is there. St. Joseph, guardian of the Redeemer, spouse of the Blessed Virgin Mary, to you God entrusted his only son. In you Mary placed her trust, and with you Christ became man. Blessed Joseph, to us too show yourself a father, and guide us in the path of life. Obtain for us grace, mercy, and courage, and defend us from every evil. And I'd like to just suggest that uh, the way I put this together is that you have some time to reflect on these areas. Then you give your thanks, your gratitude to St. Joseph, and then you ask for a grace or a petition that you personally are feeling at this time and would like. So on the first one, the gratitude for, for Joseph actually making that decision to be the foster father. And he did that with such compassion, he could have gone the other way, but he entered into that great mystery um, because of the great love. The virginal husband of Mary, that might be hard for some people. I, I've had to really pray, reflect on that. But as you look at it, as one reflects, you see the tremendously deep friendship and openness to God in both Mary and Joseph, and creating that wonderful, viable space for Jesus to grow, to 
actually, when you think of um, one of that, the ancient prayer that you see many times, the, no, the prayer says that whatever you pray to St. Joseph will be given because God could not not hear St. Joseph because of that total bonding and loving presence. So I think with, um, we're almost time-wise, if you, at first I thought this was a mistake, but it's a good thing that one side is free because that will give you a place to write your own reflections, your own prayers, your own um, maybe gratitude to Joseph for what you have received. So I think we are ready to close with a meditative song. Some of you have heard of it, Joseph's song. And Bob Leibel is going to grace us, gift us with that. Just said.
Well, that really was a grand finale. Thank you, Bob, and thank you, Scott, for that uh, beautiful music. And thank you, Sister Ann, for your inspiring talk. Uh, Sister Ann is a, uh, she's a, she's a true treasure to our, to our parish. I've been blessed to travel with her on a few pilgrimages to Calcutta and the Holy Land, and she's just a joy to be with. And I'm pretty sure I saw St. Joseph nodding along a few times during your talk.